0: Also from mudhousemedia.com. Join Patrick McEnroe as he has conversations with incredible guests on his tennis podcast, Holding Court.
1: Share his love of tennis, the tournaments, events, and news with other professional athletes, artists, Hollywood stars, and CEOs. Exclusively on the Mudhouse Media
0: Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.
1: On this week's episode, I'm speaking with music legend, Bonnie Raitt. It's great to talk to you. It's great to talk to you, too. We had such a great time at your restaurant with Taj and Ricky. Oh, my God, that was so delicious. (laughs) I'm so glad. Um, What did you eat? Because I got there and you guys had finished eating.
2: Well, the gumbo is still resonating in the roof of my mouth or wherever (laughs) the taste lands. The gumbo was great. The cornbread was great. We had greens that were fantastic. I forget, we had something as an appetizer that seemed, I'm going to space out what it was. I have to look at the menu, but we had a sampling of different things that were all great. And I can't believe we managed to get through without having dessert but we'll do that the next time <laughs> and I know Taj took a lemon bar home he did
1: yeah. he did yeah well that's great I'm so glad you oh you
2: and, I it had, to and I had I, I had fried chicken too which I hadn't had in so long that was really really good so I think we we over ordered <laughs> but I knew I knew it was going to be such a special occasion
1: well, I'm glad you did. I know Ricky loves the gumbo. I was just thinking about when uh, we first met, having dinner in January, and just to think, like, who knew what we'd be dealing with this year, right?
2: I'm telling you. I mean, it was just one of those things where you, you take getting together with your friends out mm-hmm. for dinner out at a restaurant just for granted,
1: and I'll never do that again, ever. I, I agree. And it was a tight space. We were like crowded at that little table and just enjoying each other's company and, you know, know
2: but it's amazing how adaptable we've been. I mean, yeah. when I've had when a few friends that have come through town, you know, we just go for distance hikes, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. masks and, and um, you know, I've had a lot of small group, you know, encounter lunches where people are like literally past six feet away from each other. Yeah. And yeah. I, I even, I got together with my brother with pulling up, My car next opposite his car, facing the other way, and we—I got food to go from Blue Barn, and we sat and talked and talked through our phones through the dashboard of our cars, looking (laughs) at the windows at each other while we both (laughs) ate in a a parking
1: lot. But it was safe; it was great. Right, and that safety is what matters. But it's just the importance of human connection, and I don't—you've probably heard this, but. So many of my friends are missing concerts and performances, and I can't imagine. You know, you know. I have a kind of art form where, where I get um, immediate gratification, but I can still do it. But as a musician, I mean, this must be really challenging.
2: Well, I miss my team, my 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 people. You know, like yeah. the uh, the family that's the road family and crew, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're all, a lot of us have been, I've been on the road since I was 20, so that's 50 wow. years. And to be in one place this long, thank goodness, it's a place I love. Mm-hmm. And thank, thank goodness we've had our health and everyone in my group is, is healthy still. So thank God for that. And yeah. thank God the, the election is over. Oh, my
1: goodness. No
2: vaccine. Yes. And so there's so many things to be grateful for. But Agreed. the amount of, um, you know, the joy that we used to have be exchanging that tribal celebration with the audience you know Mm -hmm. it they're missing it i'm missing it as an audience goer and we miss the traveling on the road and just having something that we love to do in the evening Mm -hmm. we we take that away you know i'm used to having a month off here and i'm Mm -hmm. usually so so busy at my quote-unquote day job running Mm -hmm. uh, fielding requests and, and my activism and stuff But this was just a heartache for month after month to be Mm -hmm. deprived of doing something that brings you so much joy. And so I, like everyone else, have found pockets of wonderful, you know, Zoom or or Patreon or or Vimeo performances of friends of mine that learn to, you know, broadcast from their house or Mm -hmm. get together for socially distance. Like we recorded for the – Election uh, candidate get out to vote and Democratic mm-hmm. candidate support. Boz Skaggs and Ricky and myself and the California Honeydrops, all Bay Area musicians that hadn't seen each other in, since the shutdown. Mm. We got together at the Great American Music Hall with a, with a, you know, got COVID tested twice before we went. Everybody mm. was distanced and maxed up, mm-hmm. masked up. And, and it was just so great to play live again with oh. a room full of musicians, no matter how
1: far away we were. It was great. <laughs> That's what amplifiers are for. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. So, That's you know, fun. I'm
1: very excited that it looks like by next summer we're going to be, we're already,
2: you know, holding the dates and, and yeah. hopefully we'll be safe.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, a couple things. Well, first of all, it was fun to discover what a foodie you are, um, When we met, you were talking about Chef's Table and the cooking shows you like to watch. Did you grow up with a lot of, you know, food around, or did you kind of develop your palate as you traveled around the world performing?
2: Well, I always really loved good food, and I
1: was blessed to have, you know, my
2: folks were in a position to be able to get a lot of fresh vegetables and Mm -hmm. enjoyed grilling outside. That was something our family did. My dad loved to do, and, you know, they— me to a lot of our, my brothers and I they took one night a week and we went to an ethnic restaurant to make sure our palate was as you know one was a Swiss more Norwegian smorgasbord and one was a Chinese restaurant in LA oh. and my brother brought a carton of milk with him we were so embarrassed <laughs> and, and we had a Spanish night and a Japanese night and you know it was a very very lucky to be able to have a, a wide palate and, mm-hmm. and my parents didn't they didn't let us uh, not Try something, you know. I mean, Mm. we, but they, they grew up really poor and with, Mm -hmm. with parents, you know, canned and spinach was overcooked and Mm -hmm. chicken was, chickens was boiled. And my grandparents' idea of a fun dessert was a half a pear on some cottage cheese (laughs) on a graham (laughs) cracker. Oh my God. No. Wow. So I really, I think because I was on the road since I was 20, I think that we just were exposed to a tremendous amount of ethnic Mm -hmm. food as we traveled around and I developed. I love to eat in the area that I'm traveling in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have mixed tulips in the South, and I would have Smithfield ham and biscuits and grits, and then I'd have being around so many old older blues people that lived in the South. Mm-hmm. And when I, um, I got way into soul food, so
0: mm-hmm. I
2: spoiled, you know. And then Texas mm-hmm. and New Mexico, I got into that, um, Tex-Mex and Mexican cuisine, mm-hmm. and. New Orleans, haven't I? have been Neville in my band for a oh long time. We got, so we got home cooking from the Neville family. So amazing. there you
1: go. Amazing. New Orleans is just such a special town. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's my absolute favorite city in the country is New Orleans. Yeah, it's so special. When I try to describe it to people who haven't been there, I mean, when I first went there, it reminded me so much of Europe with the architecture and the walkable streets and... Just the, oh, I just love that town.
2: I wow. do too. I love all the, uh, the the culinary influence, and I love studying the history of food and and you know why why Thai food ended up like that and why mm-hmm. Vietnamese mm-hmm. like that and all the different socio cultural histories of dominating and uh, taking over and how you know Moroccan influence came in here and then you yeah. look at where it came from and studying Southern food. I, I think everybody during the shutdown is really Gone to school on all these wonderful. I started, I think, with Anthony Bourdain, but oh, yeah. there were there were great. The Food Network has really opened up everybody's eyes as to the incredible. I, I can't get enough of, you know, street food, chef's table, <laughs> ugly, delicious. Yeah, one world, one
1: world. You know, yeah. I love. it. And now you're going to have yours, Tanya. It's it's out there. It started, yeah. Tiniest kitchen table. Um, you know, my dream is to have a show to to go around the world and the country kinda of like Anthony did. But, you know, in these times, um, it's not really possible to record it. But hopefully in the future because yeah, I think, you know, food and music share the um ability to really break down barriers with people and to really open minds. You know what I mean? And to bring people I together. I feel exactly the
2: yeah. same way. I know we talked about that when we first met. It's yeah. just an in this in this incredibly divisive mm-hmm. time when people are being coming Mm-hmm. nationalistic what they call nationalistic we're an entire country of immigrants and yep. you know, where do they think
1: this came from that you know, where do they think black eyed peas came from right. and, you know, fried chicken, Everything, mashed potatoes macaroni and cheese um chef james hemmings who was thomas jefferson jefferson's chef is responsible for inventing macaroni and cheese you know he oh, learned bechamel in france so it's I mean, we're all American is what, you yeah. know, we need to exactly. figure out, you know. It's, yeah, exactly.
2: Different. Let's give credit where it's due. I mean, Padma Lakshmi's new show, I learned mm-hmm. so much. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, these are, these are providing the great glue of what's like global music, you know, with yes. those moments and, you know, the understanding. I mean, it's funny. We call it Americana format when, in fact, every musical style of Americana came from another country mm-hmm. except nation. Mm-hmm. Made- so mm-hmm. get real here, you know. But it's really people are having their eyes open culturally, and I think that, that there's not a politicization of cuisines as much as maybe going into the backstory of, you know, why chitlins was was the food of choice for the slaves, you know, mm-hmm. because they didn't have a choice, you know, and right. why why Native Americans' health crisis is so awful is because of the American commodities, you yes. know, the
1: government
2: government. There, there's a political a racial and a justice aspect of food equity and and history. That's just as important as how things taste. But I think that we need to get off the red state, blue state thing and just celebrate music and celebrate culture and food for what it is. It's a, it's a gumbo, you know, it's absolutely
1: exactly. I agree. It's a melting pot. It it's, that's what makes it all so interesting. You know, I love learning um, as you do. Love learning, like, what influences a chef to make a dish you know what are everybody has a different path and then same with musicians and it's sort of like I used to always say cooking was like a communicable disease like if I've cooked with this one person and then I cook with you you're gonna be you're gonna have that experience you know what I mean I think music is the same way right like you and and
2: the, the internet is a way where that we can find out The roots of the things that we're drawn to, you know, Mm you don't have to just think that Prince is the beginning of R and B. You can go and look at who he listened to, and who Led Zeppelin listened to, and who Beyonce listened to. And similarly, food, you can go back and, you know, oh my God, the Gula culture and this came from here and this came. It's so fascinating the way ecology and Mm -hmm. history. Mm -hmm. and uh you know who really is responsible for adding all these elements and that's what's so exciting about it for music as you said music and cuisine we're all just world travelers
1: i know i love it and it's it's also you know it's crazy how our our country and some other cultures it's like we're not as appreciated we're not as well compensated for what we bring to the world but no one could exist without us, without music and food. You know, and it's—I—I I feel that musicians are essential workers as well. <laughs> you know, we need. Cook. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, okay. we do. We need culture. We need. I—I I mean, I'm usually cooking with music. I played my uh, Meyer Sound System stereo for you. You know how important music is to me. Um, I'm friends with a lot of musicians, so I—I I can't imagine having a restaurant without that piece to create the environment and the experience, you know, it's part of the, yeah. Creation. And you know,
2: for me, for me and a lot of other musicians and people that are sensitive, you know, it's really the, 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 I really appreciate what you did in your kitchen, what in your restaurant to make they'll be able to hear and still speak and hear yourselves. You know, yeah. when there's, when I, when I can hear one kind of music in the bar and another in the oh, restaurant and, the yeah. and then some, you know, Tejano music, music comes out of, out of the kitchen, <laughs> right. you know, Please don't do that to me. Let's <laughs> just make it. Out. And that yet, when you when you're in a restaurant that's been thoughtfully planned out, if it's possible, where the volume and the style of music is copacetic for everybody, not just the, the you know 20 year old people serving Agreed. you that want to listen to Metallica. You know I mean, yeah. I love Metallica, but yeah. maybe I, maybe after a long day, I want a little Brazilian music or right. something. Right, it's palatable.
1: Yeah, time of day. I always tell them family friendly um, and. Yeah, it's got to create a mood. You know, we played something different uh, at brunch than we do at dinner, you know. And Absolutely. Yeah, that
2: that's so interesting too.
1: Yeah. Um, so I want to go back to, you know, your activism work for a second because I don't know about you, but I didn't really seek out this field to like with the idea that I would become an activist and people consider me as an activist, but And it kind of happened accidentally when I realized I had this platform to make a big impact in my industry and in my community. Um, And I just felt like I got to step up to this. I was I'm wondering, you know, what did you have intention behind your work or was it more of a response to, you know, a need that happened?
2: Well, I was raised in a family that uh, my my parents converted over to being Quakers after the Second World War and they really the Quakers were on the forefront of conflict resolution in a peaceful nonviolent way and oh, wow. and where and and they were the, in the forefront of the ban the bomb movement the social justice movement mm-hmm. you know, as they had been in the you know the underground Railroad and mm-hmm. the, and in both England and America you know some of the more forward-thinking Quakers not all of them were were involved with you know, love thy neighbor literally and mm-hmm. you, know, you don't you don't kill someone if there's that of god inside mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. So I was raised in an in an activist uh, background where mm-hmm. the you know at christmas time we would be collecting money for you know Algerian refugees and, and marching and band the bombs when i was 11 and Pete Seeger was like a family hero of ours. Wow. So i grew up with the nexus of music and activism mm-hmm. and social peace movement was just part and parcel of what I was drawn for music. I love Joan Baez and Bob Dylan and mm-hmm. Pete Seeger, staple singers and spirituals and gospel music, and as well as Motown and R&B and the Beatles and all that. Mm-hmm. So in, in the 60s, in my era of growing up as a teenager, the, the social movements really were married to music. Yeah, they were. You know?
0: That's right. And.
2: In the in the mid '60s, you know, and then the anti-war, move, we had the draft, so there was real, you know, for what it's worth, a Buffalo Springfield song and mm-hmm. and Ohio by President mm-hmm. Nash. There, these were real, um, real songs about real issues that were going on in the day, and and you think we were divided mm-hmm. now? Back then, it was just you know head bashing and hippie trashing and Mm -hmm. just as much racism against the Panthers Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: incarceration. So I think it was just part and parcel how my folks raised me. And I I went to those kind of schools and that kind of summer camp. So music and activism and being of service and using your voice to be able to raise money and Mm -hmm. bring bring attention to the groups that, that without the celebrity playing at the rally, the, the, the news people wouldn't show up and cover the issue, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So these, these groups that are saving the Redwoods and fighting for, you know, every child wanted and, and birth control information to everybody and availability for uh, options for Planned Parenthood, all of those things of leveling the playing field, you know, we don't, those groups did not have the corporations behind them to be able to push the other side and buy the lobbyists, you know? Right. So that's right. why I think musicians have a have an obligation to be informed and speak as citizens and speak from their heart. And if you don't like what we're saying, you don't have to buy our music. <laughs> Not that people buy music mm-hmm. now anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you can go elsewhere. But I, I think that people, the artists have been the conscience of the culture a lot of the time yeah. and the town criers. And think of the apartheid movement. Think of that Bob Marley. Think of there's so many incredible whether it's the clash or whether it's you know the civil rights movement music was the part and parcel of what inspired people and got people together
1: wow yeah i mean you say that so clearly now and it it makes absolute sense um and it also you know it's your parents and the way they raise you obviously contributes to it as well and um i had a similar you know my parents were similar you know not from very um, humble means and we're very curious people and they started this gourmet cooking club I can't remember if I told you or not but um, it ran for 20 years and it was always three white couples and three black couples and that's just as diverse as the community was We didn't have you know maybe there was one Latino family in you know the, the town <laughs> um, but being exposed to the club that they, they cooked, you know, Chinese, French, Italian, they did Pennsylvania Dutch, they did a Seder one How day. fantastic, and did you get to eat what they cooked? I did, so a oh, lot of the dishes, well, I was an only child for, you know, until I was 15, so I would tag along, or if they hosted, that was my dinner, and a lot that of That is so fantastic, <laughs> I thought I was lucky, but God, you are... Well, Definitely. It, no wonder.
2: No wonder. That's all I can say. What a great thing to grow up with that kind of diversity yeah. and deliberate conscious. I mean, that's why I'm so grateful. My parents turned me on to all these different ethnic tastes when I was a little kid, you know, and yeah. if you're exposed to it early enough, you don't get the, you know, chop suey not all there is to the Chinese food. Come on.
1: <laughs> right. You know? and, and I often say that when I'm speaking to people, I'm like, it's all about exposure right even doesn't matter what your income level is or your education level but at least you know expose people to things you know even when I go to um, you know do events for underserved communities you know I remember doing this one meal or cooking class and I was making a fruit salad and I brought star fruit and the director was like oh that might be too exotic for them and I was like what no and I'll tell you, the, the folks that I was cooking for, they were so excited. It was exotic, and they loved it. They were stimulated, and they were, like, it's a food memory that they'll always have. And as you know, that's the other thing about food and music. Like, everybody remembers their first concert. Everybody remembers, you know, the first time they tried uh, bacon or, or something that's like that, you know. Like rich. And yeah, it's exactly. It's like it
2: was yesterday. I mean tom right. Yum Kun, the first time I had Thai food, I thought I was gonna I just couldn't even believe anything could be that complex and taste that great. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean it's just I'm so I mean I was I would think I was like twenty two or something before I had tom Yum Kun mm. but hot and spicy but I had th- I had hot th- and sour spicy soup at a Chinese restaurant and I loved that too.
0: Mm-hmm. Mhm.
2: But the difference between real Italian cooking and Americanized cooking, I mean, that stuff, when you finally leave and go to college and you go out to restaurants and stuff, wow, what a revelation.
1: Oh, yeah. And there's always so much to discover, you know. And, I mean, it's endless. And I'm still learning. And that's, again, why I love this, um, you know, why I love it. I just love this, this industry, cooking, food, It's always something, you know, new.
2: And and for me because you know even though I have a, a mighty tribe of two or three really close friends that live nearby and a mm-hmm. boyfriend that when we all love to eat my one a couple of incredible chefs cooks that are friends of mine that oh nice Ricky, and oh my god I'm so lucky yeah. but um the the thing that's wonderful when when I'm alone and I've been here at home a lot. Those cooking shows have always, you know, like the yoga, that lady that used to do yoga years ago on, mm-hmm. on, on PBS, but Lydia, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I would watch Julia, Julia Child, not just to learn how to do stuff, but I just, the hominess of watching somebody cook and, mm. and, the, and the, the joy of these internet shows just make you feel so part of, and it just, you know, whether it's a Barefoot Contessa or mm-hmm. Nadia or Samin or any of these shows, there's, yep. and your show too. I can't wait to see that. So, um, you know, it brings you in and gives you a sense of it like around the campfire. You know, you're mm-hmm. suddenly at the hearth and you have that community. And for people that are alone or people that are confused about what they're going to take a shot at, they mm-hmm. can, you know, it's made it doable and everybody's fallen in love with cooking.
1: I agree. And you know, it's great. And one of the reasons why my show came together is because uh, the networks are running out of content. <laughs> you know, everybody's, oh, yeah. especially with lockdown, everybody's watched all the cooking shows and everybody's inspired to, and they are forced to a certain extent to uh, cook at home. And so they need inspiration. Yeah. So it's been great. Yeah, that was, it was fun. We uh, recorded seven episodes Um I can't wait for you to watch it and get your feedback, see what you think. Um, hoping I can't that... <laughs>
2: wait, Tanya. I can't wait. I saw you after that long drive. I couldn't believe you shot <laughs> it. So, yeah. I well, mean, I'm...
1: Ricky told me you guys were coming in. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm driving back from L.A. I don't want to miss you. <laughs> I would have paid for the speeding ticket, believe me.
2: <laughs> now, now, let me ask you, are you going to move it back up to the Bay Area if you can, or do you have to go down and commute?
1: I think I will we'll pr- probably likely stay in L.A. just because the, um, you know, the production teams, there's just so many more people that work in production down there. At oh, least that for now. Yeah. That makes sense. And then you can bunch the shows. You do a lot. Exactly. bunch. Yeah, yeah we yeah. did seven in a week. So, oh yeah, <laughs> it was a lot. Um, but it was, you know, it was great. You get a momentum. And, of course, this was, you know, season one in a new studio for me. So had some kinks to iron out. But. Overall, I'm happy with it. The network was happy with it. Um, <clears throat> when I got there, I told the producer before I got there, but I was like, let me just emphasize how important music is to me. So I had a couple friends um, who are big fans of yours, local musicians. Julie Wolf, who's a keyboard player. You might know her. She played with everything uh, but the girl and uh, Coffee Brown. They did a little uh, background music, original music for me. Oh, then. Oh. yeah it's I mean it just it makes a difference, and then on set, you know' was, they played music that I like to listen to that's obviously licensed, and we couldn't um, and they know. might have
2: got a chance to eat some of the stuff that you were cooking to,
1: yeah <laughs> absolutely um I'm so, i' made I'm so envious. <laughs> I'm so envious of the uh, crews of people that are
2: you know. <laughs> get to travel around the world and just oh i guess i'll have to taste this funny dragon
1: fruit or whatever it is right, right that's yeah. a tough job but somebody's got to do it
2: <laughs> you know i gotta say that the level of concert catering that we get backstage the amount of pride and attention to i mean they call it in the food business the product but i mean yeah. the sort of you know we specify organic if we if, if it's possible unless we're in a, uh, yes. a, a I don't I don't draw in those arenas where there's a, they get a contract already for the year and you yeah. know you don't get to bring in your own cater yeah. most of the time I'm at the level where oh my god it's just the the it's like having a wedding every night you go back <laughs> that
0: the, so the great. care
2: and love that people that love the musician so much and you can taste it in every bite and the presentation. And I just honor the, the work that goes into it. And I, I, I come in there in the daytime and watch them, you know, out in the truck and out in the back grilling stuff. And I'm so fascinated as a foodie, like you said, you know, if I can find, if I can get there early enough and I don't have to be at soundcheck, I love to poke my head in and see what they're making and nice. taste stuff. Oh, my God. So much
1: effort. Yeah, and it's so much work. I mean, that kind of production where they're basically – building a kitchen also, right, on the site? Yeah, You know, I mean, that's why I'm a restaurant person. I've done – I do some catering. I've done some, but that whole reinventing the wheel, I I definitely admire the the chefs who are committed to doing that um, because that's just another level of just, you know, preparation and organizing and planning that – it's a lot. But like you said – Oh,
2: you know, I learned so much when I was first chef season. The chef's table came out the mm -hmm. first time. I really had my eyes, I was unaware of how much, how many, just cleaning, wiping down the kitchen every night. I mean, who knew, you know?
1: Yeah, and, you know, especially in Europe, the cooks do that. You are expected to do that at the end of your shift. Um, A lot of kitchens in the United States, they have cleaning crews that come in, you know, later at night to really do that stuff. But I remember, you know, you roll up your sleeves and... You're part of, you know, you're doing it all. <laughs> oh, I, I would be so surprised if there weren't major
2: cocaine addicts in the food industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, How could you day... do that all day and all night yeah. and then have to clean up your own kitchen? Just like, I'm so tired, I'm thinking about it. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm older now, but I mean, really, maybe there's some energy. Like at the end of the show, people say, aren't you exhausted? And actually, yeah. we're not exhausted. We're, we're uplifted and we yeah. need to wind down. Yeah, you need to wind down. But I mean, cleaning the kitchen every night would—I'd have to be high. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, I. Oh, go ahead.
2: No, no, I'm saying I. I just that's industry, like the people that work at night. We all have. There's a big, you know, people that have had to wrestle to the ground. You know, being um, the sobriety. I've been sober close to 34 years now, and it's um, it's a challenge for people that you know. Really work at night in a bar situation. I'm sure that it's, you know, it's just you have to reorient and make your priorities as you get older.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think about, you know, I, I started working in kitchens in New York City where bars and restaurants closed at 4 a.m. And, oh. you know, you're working till midnight and then you want to feel normal. So you go out to 4 a.m. Like you get served and you get to, you know, let off steam and get entertained and become entertained, go see a band. And then you, you know, wake up at nine in the morning, do it all over again. I mean, it's just, it wasn't sustainable. That's
2: kind of our hours. Like our six o'clock at night is midnight, you know, so that's when we get to start relaxing. And, you know, you're not drinking milk and having popcorn at two (laughs) o'clock.
1: Right. And that's why, I mean, I'm friends with so many musicians, you know, I just became friends with musicians, um, especially on the East Coast with those hours. Uh, once I moved out yeah. here, I was, you know, in my mid thirties and opened my restaurant when I was 41. So, uh, those days Good were for you. definitely for behind you. me. <laughs> yeah. And then I opened a breakfast and lunch place, which was never my goal, but you know, you, you take the opportunities that present themselves and, um, yeah, it worked out. I had a life. I had evenings free, which was great. Um, and that that's, was, Oh, what's up? That? That's
2: so fantastic. And you're such a role model now for, Young women that, and men and women and anyone in between that wants to be able to do this kind of, uh, create something this wonderful and 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 who you hire and have as your team is just as important. Like when people say, "How do you pick Mm -hmm. your band?" Mm -hmm. I -hmm. I pick people according to what kind of soulful, you know, honorable, moral people they are, Mm -hmm. and those Mm -hmm. they're kind, passionate, and tolerant,
0: and
1: you know. That is just as important as how well they play. Absolutely. Actually, you know, people can always improve on those hard skills, whether it's playing an instrument or, or cooking, like, you know, a steak or a piece of fish. But those, like, soft, like you said, moral, social skills, like that almost they got to have that going on before they come to you because we're not parents, <laughs> you know, we're not yeah, raising you. They, just... How they
2: treat their partners, yes. you know, how what they're cheating on people or mean to their parents or whatever. Right. That makes a difference to me. I don't want to, cause I'm, I'm on the road with these guys, you know, 10 yeah. months of the year. You want to be with people that are, that are righteous people that care about the world and don't leave lights on everywhere. And, you know, oh. you, you do everything you can to stop plastic and things, yes. you know, water. You know, filtered water, and get everybody even, and not have like an elite people get to eat this fancy food, organic, and yes. you have to eat you have to eat sludge. You know, uh, you know all of that stuff. You have to walk it like you talk it, and, and if it's a yep. little bit more money to do that, yep. that's where somebody's got to take the hit and realize that we all deserve to be healthy
0: okay. in our
2: in, in our relationships. And I, and I book the tours so that people have time to go home and maintain their relationships. Mm. My dad was on the road for mm-hmm. you know he he was a broadway leading man and he sang mm. until he was 88 years old like wow. Tony Bennett wow but he was he was away a fair amount of time and mm-hmm. and it was import, important to me as a woman
0: mm-hmm.
2: when i was took the guys away from their home life i know what it was how much i missed my dad and he mm-hmm. always made he made time to come home and be with us kids you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. some of my favorite food memories are of him making breakfast in the morning on sundays with ham and chives and making eggs you know mm-hmm. cutting stuff and and then and then we would you know he would grill and barbecue living in a, in California we could yeah. grill he would grill outside every night and that's when i had quality time with him i would go sit and breathe the smoke you know
1: nice little did Um, i little did i know that it wasn't
2: good for me but i was young and
1: strong right and that that work-life balance is so important um but i I
2: mean for you to have your parents raise you like that how did you know you were going into food early on no
1: and you know i took it for granted right i mean you're a kid then i went to college and none of my friends knew how to cook they were all eating macaroni and cheese out of a box tuna fish out of a can and so, Top ramen, yeah, ramen. ice Third chocolate pudding <laughs> on a hot plate between my roommate and I and yep. licked the
2: spoon while we were studying.
1: Yeah, and so I started hosting dinner parties, and I just loved it, and I started working in restaurants to make some, you know, spending money for myself, and again, I still didn't think it would be a career option, but I was really inspired by... Um, this one uh, couple that ran this restaurant, you know, it was a college town, so it was like pubby food, but they were just passionate about hospitality. And then um, I worked at um, a dining hall at the business school, and the chef there was, you know, really trained and, again, really passionate about you know, his cooking and his presentation. And I just was like, hmm. And I got my first cookbooks when I was in college. I was a vegetarian mostly then. And my grandmother gave me a couple cookbooks and a friend gave me the Moosewood cookbook. And my neighbor and I, we cooked every recipe. Yeah, do you remember Uh, that one?
2: Yes, I do. I think I still have it in a bookcase in my guest room.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I still have my copy. But yeah. Yeah, and I made pita bread from scratch from that cookbook and I was just like what this is you know and so I was I was enjoying it as a hobby and then I moved to New York City and start working in restaurants and I was like I love this atmosphere because it's very diverse um you know there were issues of course and of, and of course like leadership maybe wasn't diverse but that's also what inspired me I was like wait I'm just as smart as these guys I can do this. I can own my own restaurant. I just need to, you know, follow the path of success, which is working for, you know, other people who have been successful, who, you know, have, um, are known to develop people. Um, I got to go to the right school. So I went to cooking school in France. And um, I just, you know, I believed in myself that I could do it. And, you know, I told my parents, they, they were encouraging me to go to business school and grad school. I was like, no, this is my grad school. Um but their dinner parties were sort of this you know this indelible memory I had of just bringing together different people over food and I just that's what got me excited
2: Oh that's exciting I'm yeah. so glad you to do you're getting to do what you love and then your yeah. activism for both of us of you know being of service and changing the world exactly. to what we, do, if we get we get paid to do what we love I at know. least we is share it in a way that, you know, shines light and then, then it, it models for other people that you, you don't have to just do everything just for your own glory or fame or buying a new car, you know.
1: Exactly. And, you know, one thing, um, you know, since COVID and the movement, I, I have to tell you, have been such gifts for me because COVID, I was, um, <coughs> excuse me, before COVID, I had some people in my organization who I didn't feel were supporting me in my vision, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that they weren't comfortable following the lead of a black woman. So um, I was able to you know, streamline and then really work on building my company culture to attract people who would support me. And then the movement just empowered me and my voice and platform to be even more impactful by saying like, you know, hey, this is a black-owned business, and this is a community that has maybe like it's predominantly African American. There's like three black-owned restaurants. That doesn't make sense, you know. And just to point out the disparity of opportunity and access, um, and to now have people's ears, and including people who, you know, have access to capital, and they're now empowering other um, aspiring restaurateurs and. Um, entrepreneurs of color because I've been able to use my voice. So it's just, it's so gratifying. And I know, you know, how gratifying it is too.
2: It is really gratifying. And, and, um, you know, I'm, we're both so lucky to live in this part of the country where mm-hmm. there's already so much, um, movement for, you know, getting, the getting the causes supported in the way that, you know, the 1% or who's ever been blessed with more than they need feels, yes. uh, you know, I mean, it's not just the Bay Area, but everywhere. People just need to dig in when they can. Yeah. But you know, the resources for nonprofit support are drying up as people's savings are being you know. There's yeah, a lot of people that it. are, yeah. I think it's, it's,
1: yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. No, yeah, okay. I was. I you know, I think some people don't realize like when when you know we all win when everybody wins. You know what I mean? Like. And not everybody's going to have the same aspiration, same motivation, and you know. But everybody needs to have their basic needs taken care of in a way that's fair and equitable. You know. So, like you said, access to organic food because it makes a big difference. You know, to not have you know f- foods laden with hormones or pesticides in the development of you know people's um, you know physical and mental development. Really, yeah, it's, it's important
2: to prevent preventing diabetes and preventing, yes. you know, dementia and exactly. arthritis and autoimmune and fatigue and obesity and all that. And, and I was really happy to help support in my receptions after my shows years ago when Alice Waters started her garden project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the, the way of bringing an awareness of where food comes from. It's so important, and yep. and and I've read a lot of stories, and and working with the environmental working group, and thinking about ways we can get better food into neighborhoods that have no that are food deserts. And yes. you know, just to, to hear that even where they did put in healthier food, that a lot of kids just threw it away. You know, that it, mm-hmm. you, it, it's a whole complicated process of how to get people away from just throwing tater tots in a microwave and mm-hmm. thinking
0: that- hmm
2: what are you going to do when a mom's got three jobs and four kids at home? I mean, how are you going to... You know, nobody has time to make an organic papaya salad. You know? I know. You know
1: That's We've got to get
2: real and get get the fun of it and the awareness of it. And community gardens, I think, is a really great, you know, a great way to start to take vacant lots and turn them into gardens and have side projects for kids that, you know, where they get to grow their own vegetables or even if it's just one little pack of strawberries and just to see the wonder of it and get trips out into nature and get you know take yes. field trips that was so important to me as a kid in yeah. school when i grew up in la the field trips to go and, and learn about what it was like to be on a farm i mean mm-hmm. it was like it was like going to the moon
1: yeah i mean <laughs> kids love to play in dirt anyways i mean we should just you know put them in the fields <laughs> um yeah i i love that we, there's an organization in west oakland so my my old location the the location you came to—I've been in to in about a year and a half—was in uh, the West Oakland neighborhood. Definitely a food desert, but there was an organization over there, still exists, called City S- <coughs> City Slicker Farms, and they, what they do is they teach urban dwellers how to create backyard. Uh, farms to create some more sustainability for their own food needs, and it's just how brilliant. cool is that? How cool is that? It's the best. It's the best. And we used to, we were about half a mile from them, and they would take our food scraps for compost. So that helped me with my garbage bills, and that helped them with creating, you know, amazing soil. That's great. Yeah, it's all about. It's important. all about soil. It's all about. And then there's it this is. whole vertical farming that's exciting too. You know
2: where the fish are on one level and they fertilize the right Oh, yes, or, that. yes. Or, that. or biodynamic farming is yeah. so fascinating. You know? And the regenerative
1: yeah. agriculture. I, I um, visited a farm uh, last year or the year before that was doing regenerative agriculture, which is so cool to see. So, the, you know, the chickens are in this one area. You may know this. And then after about half a day, they actually kind of herd them to the next part of the field and they they naturally fertilize it because you know they're they're you know they're going to the bathroom and then they move and (laughs) it's so cool though it just it is so cool it is really it's natural it's natural um so i want to ask you a few more cooking questions so what is what are some of your favorite things to cook
2: well, I love my my go to meal when I want to impress people. I don't entertain a lot because I, I I've got been blessed to. I like the support, especially during COVID. I take some like some Thai dishes to go, and mm-hmm. then I'll make a lot of vegetables. I I, I eat greens every day. They're dino kale or collard greens. Oh yeah, I love making. Um, my friend Winona Laduke from the White Earth Reservation up in Minnesota. They have native harvests. Of, Company that that is sponsors Native Americans' rice, you know, harvesting their own rice, oh, growing nice. it, selling it, and you know, they, it helps fund stopping pipelines that go through the reservation, and mm-hmm. they, so it's a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. So I make quinoa, a quinoa and, and uh, wild rice mixture, and some greens. But I love to make salmon. I, it's really good. I don't, have, I don't have it all the time. Yeah, I I, I know it's really good for aging brains, aging mm-hmm. joints. And, um, you know, the oceans are overfished, but I try to be really conscious about where I source whatever animal I'm going to have. In it. And the vegetables and fruits, too. But mm-hmm. um, it rains, you know, all of it. I try to do the best I can. And I'm the first to admit how privileged I am to be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I want to support organic farmers and, mm-hmm. and wild, you know, wild caught fish and mm-hmm. It's a sustainable kind of way of thinking about fishing and eating fish in the future too. Let alone land animals, you know, which I eat very rarely. But yeah. I eat chicken, but I, I'm kind of off of uh, red meat and haven't eaten pigs for a long time. So
1: yeah, and it just it makes a big difference in in flavor as well. I mean, we buy you know um, chickens that you know are hormone free, and I yesterday I went out to um, I don't know if you've eaten at the restaurant Fish in Sausalito.
2: I do. I eat there quite a bit. It? Actually, it's,
1: that was my first time. I went with my chef friend, uh, Dusky Estes. You might know she's working on this farm to table project. She's gleaning vegetables to to get to food banks. It's, she's amazing, and she's like, "You have to go to Fish. It's my favorite. It's all sustainable." And like yeah, it I said, is really such a privilege. But Oh my goodness! So delicious. I'll, I'll go occasion. My I that. go
2: on a special occasion, and you know that th- you just have to have, as Michael Pollan says, you know, more plants, less animals, that's and right. try. That's for the, the sake of the earth as well, but also for your pocketbook. <laughs> you know, it's
1: just. <laughs> well, but I, I,
2: I learned from doing a lot of Native American activism, um, protecting waters and mm-hmm. and stopping uranium mining on the reservation, and all kinds of different issues since the early seventies. You know, I my respect for indigenous cultures using every part of the animal. If you are going to eat an animal, and, and exactly brick and honoring it, and yep. it just meant so much to me. And I I went for fifteen years without. You know, I I, I said if I can't bring it from standing to on my plate myself, mm-hmm. I'm not. Gonna do it, so mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I that was that was hardcore. But eventually, I just you know added in some fish and chicken and. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But basically, I I just think trying to move and eat healthy and pay attention to the fair wage of the people that are producing and growing and harvesting and driving and the footprint of all the ways that we consume it's just really important. And it's not economically for preventing disease, it's ultimately going to be less expensive than trying to treat disease that was caused by not sourcing food correctly in the first place, let alone a whole economies that have been blighted by
0: Mm -hmm.
2: monocropping and growing Mm -hmm. beans in Vietnam instead of, and, and, you know, cutting down shade grown trees where the family farmers in Central America have, have been, you know, growing coffee as their livelihood Mm -hmm. for years has wiped out. And that cutting down all those shade trees is also stop birds from being able to have a place to stop on their migration so it's it's a whole ecosystem that yeah. we have to think
1: about yeah it's, the
2: thing, we have to have equity in our food system and our health system and our education and jobs you know you can't just think about what's healthy for the privileged few
1: agreed yeah it's just um yeah it's a lot you know and I feel lucky. I'm I'm part of this conversation. I mean, I'm, you know, there's a lot of work to do, but we're trying to. Um, there's an organization called Food Tank, just that's international, trying to figure out how can we, yeah, solve these issues. And it's going to take everybody getting on board. You know, it really is. Yeah, and
2: just even if we address waste, food waste, and and so that's what's
1: great about feed,
2: uh, No Kid Hungry and Feeding America. There's so many, you know, um, Jose of the World Kitchen central kitchen you know that the, yeah. the people's awareness of how to feed multitudes and multitudes of people in a crisis has made people aware of the food insecurity and you know more and more news stories about I, I don't know what whether how much of the general population gets exposed to how much we can fix this just by we can fix a lot of our energy problems with conserving and up up cycling you know our clothes and not mm-hmm, being on mm-hmm. that have everything new and everything the portion control and not wasting i mean i could go on and i don't want to bore you I with,
1: there's, but i know but there's saying, so much it's a problem it's a yeah. it's, an,
2: it's a solvable issue just like it there's is. enough energy in renewables there's enough energy and with food with planning better we have enough food for everybody and yep. we can have healthy food for everybody yep. and prevent is a lot easier i mean i'm not saying it's a light switch that you know i'm not naive it's going to take a lot of work but it's just awareness it is you know i I wasn't always i wasn't always aware of the healthy choices in my diet and my mm -hmm, lifestyle mm -hmm, i learned essentially mm -hmm. so those of us that are the elders which i'm i'm now
1: Mm -hmm. you know we
2: could turn around and share what we know
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely um Every little bit helps. It all adds up. Um, The recycling, the, yeah, everything. And I I love uh, No Kid Hungry for that. I'm a big supporter of theirs because getting, you know, healthy meals to kids at breakfast and lunch um, in the schools is so important. And even now, without, um, you know, without school, without in-person schooling, they still have a lot of work to do.
2: Yeah, and a lot of times the kids that was one of their only meals of the day was exactly. exactly. lunch so. it's but you know i I'm just so you i I uh, I was looking at a list of questions they said what you might ask mm-hmm. and I was just so delighted that you know it's just so much when you don't even think about the things that you couldn't live without or the mm-hmm. hot food your favorite I don't think I've ever had an interview with anybody to talk about food in my entire life so we've been talking about uh, a <laughs> politics of it but if there's anything outside, oh, yeah,
1: but but you, um, I mean, first of all, you know so much more than that anyone I've talked to, which is who's not in the industry per se. Which is this is really, you know, it's exciting. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you. Well, first of all, do you listen to music when you cook or when you eat? Is that something like you you think about? You in know, I, 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 when I'm on my with my office in LA and I'm
2: I'm working four or five hours a day with just answering emails and requests and mm-hmm. managing. But, you know with my crack team of women I don't know how they do it they both got two kids and we have a fantastic extended support team that that, that works 12 months a year it doesn't just go on that they they stay take care of the home front
0: mm-hmm. business
2: of business and the record company and all the requests that come in um I do, I can't do my emails and listen to music so when I'm hiking I mean I'm outside in nature that's my number one reason for living in California mm-hmm. Is is I just love to be outside every day and I love hiking and I could do that wherever I am but to be out of the city a little mm-hmm. bit more in the mm-hmm. is just a life force for me when you're on the road you're downtown and you only can walk around the block usually so it's like you know this is just a godsend this, this year And one of the blessings has been to watch four seasons in one place Yeah. but I, I listen I do yoga five times a week with a friend and wow. we do that over FaceTime now and I, you- I listen to Madeline Peru, I have that station on for her. And Charlie Hayden, I love. Mm. And I love, I mean, there's a lot of classic jazz and world music and Indestructible Beat of Soweto from South Africa. I love those records. And I love Toots and the Maytos. And I'm so sad that my dear friend Toots passed away from COVID this year, or not officially, but he had a respiratory Mm. illness that's out. So I I listen to a lot of, uh, you know, Helen Wolf and Muddy Waters and, and mm-hmm. all kinds of mm-hmm. American artists. So I try to keep my music as eclectic as my culinary taste. So. Nice.
1: <laughs> Me too. I love And I have something to tell you. Guess what I did yesterday? I bought my first guitar, and I'm taking lessons starting tomorrow. <laughs> Good for you! Fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited. I I studied piano when I was younger, and you know, obviously, it's harder to take a piano around with you. And I've moved around a lot in my life, Um, and I've just I've been wanting to pick it up for a while. And you know, I found a teacher who's going to be doing some Zoom classes, and um, I.
2: to all the best! It is so much fun, and it is hard. F chord is still hard for me. So <laughs> no, I'm self-taught too. I took a, a little piano lessons. My mom was a pianist, and she didn't force me, but I love taking. Uh, I love. I write more on the piano than I do on the guitar, but I love to play the guitar. But I miss playing with my band. I don't just sit around the house and play. So yeah. well, I wish you all the best with that. That's fantastic.
1: You. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I, you know, it's just like it's a new thing. I, I've never. And you know, had a lot of time for hobbies uh, since I've been working and running my own business. And I just, I, I just want to add it to my life, you know, to enrich, um, you know, my life. And I love music, so I was like, let me, let me get one. And so it's a, a little That's acoustic guitar. Start, mm-hmm. start with light, start
2: with lighter gauge strings so you don't hurt your fingers so much. Because people, oftentimes, you know, they're just too hard when they start ah. and they.
1: Give up but you got to build those calluses oh okay good to know good to know well um yeah i'll, I'll let you know how it goes <laughs> well yeah we'll have to jam together and we'll cook in the kitchen and
2: jam and you know i i don't know whether my cooking dinner tastes worse from listening to msnbc and being upset <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know what i mean I try i try to stay off the news stations while i'm cooking but yeah. you know but i you know, in terms of when I sit down and eat, I'm afraid I watch the evening news. So, you know, yeah, we, I kinda not always, not all, always, but, but being alone in COVID, you know, that's sort of at the end of the work day I like to catch up. And I mm-hmm. so what I've been trying to do is just when I'm in the car, I listen to CBS News Hour and, mm-hmm. you know, BBC World News, and I get it that way. And then I do something a little bit more nourishing. And for fun, I, I watch a cooking show or a <laughs> nature
1: show or a travel show. I love it. Yeah, you really have to make an effort not to absorb the news cycle like 24-7, I mean, because it, no. it can get to be too much. Um, so a couple other questions before you go. What Do you have a secret snack? I mean, I know you eat really healthily, but is there something that's like, well Oh,
2: I'm not always. I would have to say what after a long trip on the plane and the drive back home, my friend picks me up or I take the airport or, I cannot resist at least once a month maybe doritos cool ranch chips i don't know what the heck they put in it but i would i didn't see that coming (laughs) yeah me neither but you know it's just one of those things where i don't i don't do it that often but that that would be my guilty pleasure and um you know i love popcorn i have to watch out that i Mm -hmm. you know i air pop it and put this kind of uh you know, I I try to do it not. it's like a what's a gateway drug? You know, if I don't yeah, know if yeah, I, make, yeah. I make much before I know it, the next day the bag will be gone. So right,
1: what's the know, um I, I like the yeast. Stuff
2: and I like spicy stuff, so I I make sure that I I have little um, healthier versions of those things around so that I won't like put a trough of
1: butter. But I'll put <laughs> put, put on, just go at it. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Um, what's that, the stuff, the uh, yeast, why am I blanking on the name that you sprinkle? Brewer's yeast.
2: Brewer's yeast sometimes people no, put brewers. on.
1: brewers. What's, I thought, oh, the, um, it's on the tip of my tongue, and I think I have some. Anyways, it's kind of flavorful. It kind of gives it that umami, you know, the popcorn, a little bit more umami. Oh, yeah, so yeah. What yeah. about hot sauce? What's your favorite hot sauce?
2: I love sriracha.
1: Uh, I, got, I love sweet
2: chili mm-hmm. garlic hot sauce, but, I mean, I got a I gotta, I've gotten so many for gifts. There's a whole carousel in my kitchen that rolls. <laughs> you know, every kind of thing from regional. So I, I love to just wherever I am. I can't do the bon. Um, what's it called? The uh, bonnie peppers. You know the oh yeah, like cr- scotch
1: bonnet or habanero. Oh, that, those, those are too much. much. Yeah, those are yeah. like yeah.
2: But I do put sriracha on everything other than oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's probably a good thing. <laughs> Oh, well Bonnie it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and and discover you, all we have in Likewise. common. Yeah. What? Oh I was going to tell you so last week I spoke to Liz Wright she's a huge fan of yours and she uh. also um inspired me like encouraged me to do this guitar thing. So between the two of you and maybe the three of us oh, will jam for one it. day together. Oh, uh.
2: <laughs> And and Liz is my—I mean, she knows this. She's my favorite singer, so you know she's amazing. And, and an amazing, amazing cook and gardener, yeah, and you know, a
1: restaurant. I mean, she's just a renaissance woman. Amazing.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And what a
1: what well, a fine like, like person. You too. All three of us have had. Well, everyone has interesting
2: backgrounds, but I loved hearing about hers, and I loved hearing about yours today. And Thank you. We're, so uh, our parents would be very proud of us.
1: Yeah, I love, you know, there's so many common denominators, you know, that between everyone, I just think if more people would take the time to talk to each other, their neighbor, their co-worker, like, it would just be a better place.
2: I totally agree. And as it's a platitude now, but it's true. We have a lot more in common than separates us.
1: Absolutely. We just have to get
2: off the judgment trail, you know, come on.
1: I know. I know. Who died
2: made us queen. Nobody, you know. <laughs> and I mean? there's
1: and there's plenty to go around. Plenty to go around. Exactly. All right. Thank you for honoring me and asking
2: me I've, to do this. Oh, thank I'm you for thrilled. taking the time.
1: I know you've been really busy, so thank you so much. And I'll let you know when I it, think it when airs. I an interview and... in a year, I don't think. <laughs> What's that? I don't think I've done an interview in a year. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, so I if hope I, it uh, felt more like if, a conversation because well, I had fun talking to you.
2: Well, it was a conversation. I hope I didn't babble on too long. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. All right. Well, take care, and I'll be and in you, touch. And you, too, and I'll give you, I'll, I'll let you know, I'll, I'm going to watch the show tonight if I get some time free when I finish work. Oh, great. All right. Thank
0: all right. You okay, take <laughs> so, care, buddy. Thank
2: you, Tanya. Happy
0: bye-bye.
2: Holiday. Okay, bye-bye. You, too. Right,
0: bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Tanya's Table is a Mudhouse Media production. Original music by Coffee Brown. Music is produced by Coffee Brown and Julie Wolf. Tanya's Table podcast is produced by brand AOK.
0: Like what you're hearing? Download and subscribe to all of our shows at mudhousemedia.com.